Chapter Two of Vicky Van by Carolyn Wells. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Two, Mr. Summers. It was nearly midnight when Mr. Steele came, and with him was a man I had never seen before, and whom I assumed to be the Mr. Summers I had heard about. And it was. As Steele entered, he cast his eye around for Vicky and saw her at the bridge table down at the end of the room her back was toward us and she was so absorbed in the game she did not look round if indeed she heard the noise of their arrival the two men stopped near the group i was with and steele introduced mr summers a little curiously i looked at him and saw a large self-satisfied looking man wearing an expansive smile and expensive apparel clothes the very best procurable jewelry just inside the limits of good taste he bore himself like a gentleman yet there was an unmistakable air of ostentatious wealth that repelled me a second look made me think mr summers had dined either late or twice but his greetings were courteous and genial and his manner sociable if a little patronizing he seemed a stranger to all present and his eye roved about for the charming hostess steele had told him of we'll reach miss van allen presently steele laughed in answer to the glance if indeed we dare interrupt her game let's make progress slowly no hurry returned summers affably beaming on cassie weldon and meeting ariadne gale's receptive smile i'm anchored here for the moment miss weldon ah yes i've heard you sing voice like a lark like a lark clearly summers was not much of a purveyor of small talk i sized him up for a lumbering oldster who wanted to be playful but didn't quite know how he had rather an austere face yet there was a gleam in his eye that belied the austerity his cheeks were fat and red his nose prominent and he was clean-shaven save for a thick white moustache that drooped slightly on either side of a full-lipped mouth his hair was white his eyes dark and deep-set and he could easily be called a handsome man he was surely fifty and perhaps more had it not been for a certain effusiveness in his speech i could have liked him but he seemed to me to lack sincerity however i am not one to judge harshly or hastily and i met him half-way and even helped him in his efforts at gay affability you've never been here before i asked good old steel to bring you to-night no never before and he glanced around appreciatively but i shall i hope come often charming little nest charming ladies a bow included those nearest yes indeed babbled ariadne fair women and brave men brave yes agreed summers to dare the glances of such bright eyes i must protect my heart he clasped his fat hands pretty near where his heart was situated and grinned with delight as ariadne also protected her heart ah he cried two hearts in danger i feel sure we shall be friends if only because misery loves company is it really misery with you and ariadne's sympathy was so evidently profound that cassie weldon and i walked away i'll give ariad her innings said the vivacious miss weldon and i'll make up to the summer's kid later where'd vicky pick him up she doesn't know him at all norman steele brought him unbeknownst no why vic doesn't allow that sort of thing so i'm told anyway steele did it well vicky's such a good-natured darling maybe she won't mind for once she won't if she likes the little stranger he's well-meaning at any rate 
so's ariadne from her smile i think she well means to sell him her latest autumn in the adirondacks or lady with a handbag now don't be mean but cassie laughed and i don't blame her if she does poor ad paints above the heads of the public so if this is a high-up publican she'd better make sales while the sun shines what's her work like you can see more of it in this house than anywhere else vicky is so fond of ariadne and so sorry her pictures don't sell better that she buys a lot herself does miss gale know miss van allen does it out of don't say charity no they're really good stuff and vicky buys em for christmas gifts and bridge prizes does she ever play for prizes i thought she liked a bit of a stake now yes at evening parties but often we have a dove game of an afternoon with prizes and pink tea vicky van isn't a gay doll you know she's sometimes she's positively domestic i wish she had a nice husband and some little kiddies why hasn't she give it up she's never seen any man she loved i suppose perhaps she'll love the summer's person heaven forbid nothing less than a crown prince would suit vicky van look she's turning to meet him won't he be bowled over i turned and though there were several people between us i caught a glimpse of summer's face as he was presented to miss van allen he was bowled over his eyes beamed with admiration and he bowed low as he raised to his lips the dainty bejewelled hand vicky apparently did not welcome this old-time greeting and she drew away her hand saying not allowed naughty man express proper compunction or you can't sit next me at supper forgive me begged summers i'm sorry i'll never do it again until after i sit next you at supper more brains than i thought i said to cassie who nodded and then vicky van rose from her chair take my place for a moment mr summers she said standing before him i-she dropped her eyes adorably i must see about the arrangement of seats at the supper-table with a merry laugh she ran from the room and through the long hall to the dining-room summers dropped into her vacant chair and continued the bridge game with the air of one who knows how to play in less than five minutes vicky was back no keep the hand she said as he rose i've played long enough and supper will be ready shortly finish the rubber i insist summers returned and as he determinedly stood behind the chair vicky perforce sat down he continued to stand behind her chair watching her play vicky was too sure of her game to be rattled at his close scrutiny but it seemed to me her shoulders shrugged a little impatiently as he criticized or commended her plays she had thrown a light scarf of gauze or tulle around when she was out of the room and being the same colour as her gown it made her seem more than ever like an houri she smiled up into summer's face and then coyly her long lashes fell on her pink cheeks evidently she had concluded to bewitch the newcomer and she was making good i drew nearer principally because i liked to look at her she was a live wire to-night she looked roguish and she made most brilliant plays tossing down her cards with gay little gestures and doing trick shovels with her twinkling fingers you could have had that last trick if you'd played for it summers said as the rubber finished i know it vicky conceded i saw just too late that i was getting the lead into the wrong hand well don't ever do that again he said lightly never again as he said the last word he laid his fingertips on her shoulder 
it was the veriest touch the shoulder was swathed in the transparent tulle but still it roused vicky she glanced up at him and i looked at him too but summers was not in flirtatious mood he said i beg your pardon in most correct fashion had he then touched her inadvertently it didn't seem so but his speech assured it vicky jumped up from the table and ignoring summers ran out to the hall saying something about looking after the surprise for the supper to my surprise summers followed her not hastily but rather deliberately and quelling an absurd impulse to go to i turned to norman Steele, who stood near who's this summers i asked him rather abruptly is he all right you bet said Steele, smiling he's a top-notcher in what respects every and all you've known him long yes i tell you kell he's all right forget it what's the surprise for supper do you know of course not it wouldn't be a surprise if we all knew of it well vicky's surprises are always great fun why the grouch old man can't you cheer up oh i'm all right and i felt annoyed that he read in my face that i was put out but i didn't like the look of summers and i couldn't say so to the man who had brought him there oh please oh please shouted a hoarse strange voice and one scarcely to be heard above the hum of gay voices and peals of gay laughter oh somebody please i looked across the room and in the wide hall doorway stood a man who was quite evidently a waiter he was white-faced and staring-eyed and he fairly hung on to a portiere for support as he repeated his agonized plea what is it said mrs reeves as everybody else stared at the man what do you want she stepped toward him and we all turned to look not you no madame some man please some doctor is there one here some of the servants ill asked mrs reeves kindly dr remsen will you come the pleasant-faced capable-looking woman paused only until dr remsen joined her and the two went into the hall the waiter following slowly in a moment i heard a shriek a wild scream partly curiosity and partly a foreboding of harm to vicky van made me rush forward mrs reeves had screamed and i ran the length of the hall to the dining-room there i saw summers on the floor and remsen bending over him he's killed he's stabbed cried mrs reeves clutching at my arm as i reached her oh what shall we do she stood just in the dining-room doorway which was at the end of the long hall as in most city houses the room was but dimly lighted the table candles not yet burning keep the people back i shouted as those in the living-room pressed out into the hall steel keep those girls back there was an awful commotion the men urged the women back but curiosity and horror made them surge forward in irresistible force shut the door whispered remsen this man is dead it's an awful situation shut that door somehow i managed to get the door closed between the dining-room and the hall on the inside were remsen mrs reeves who wouldn't budge and myself outside in the hall was a crowd of hysterical women and frightened men are you sure i asked in a low voice going nearer to the doctor and looking at summer's fast glazing eyes sure he was stabbed straight to the heart with see a small sharp knife her hands over her eyes but peering through her fingers mrs reeves drew near not really she moaned oh not really dead 
can't we do anything for him no said remsen rising to his feet from his kneeling position he's dead i tell you who did it that waiter i began and then stopped looking in from a door opposite the hall door probably one that led to a butler's pantry or kitchen were half a dozen white-faced waiters come in here said remsen not all of you which is chief i am a sir and a head waiter came into the room what has happened a man has been killed said the doctor shortly who are you who are you all house servants no sir said the chief we're caterers men from frascini's i'm a luigi we are here to serve supper what do you know of this nothing sir and the italian looked truthful though scared haven't you been in and out of the dining-room all evening yes sir setting the table and such but now it's all ready and i was waiting miss van allen's word to serve it where is miss van allen i broke in i-i don't know sir luigi hesitated and dr remsen interrupted we mustn't ask these questions mr calhoun we must call the police the police cried mrs reeves oh no no don't do that it is my duty said the doctor firmly and no one must enter or leave this room until an officer arrives your waiters stay there in that pantry close those doors to the other room mr calhoun please mrs reeves i'm sorry but i must ask you to stay here i won't do it declared the lady you're not an officer of the law i'll stay in the house but not in this room she stalked out into the hall and dr remsen went at once to the telephone and called up headquarters the guests in the living-room hearing this flew into a panic of course it was no longer possible nor as i could see desirable to keep them in ignorance of what had happened after calling the police dr remsen returned to his post just inside the dining-room door he answered questions patiently at first but after being nearly driven crazy by the frantic women he said sharply you may all do just as you like i've no authority here except that the ethics of my profession dictate that does not extend to jurisdiction over the guests present but i advise you as a matter of common decency to stay here until this affair is investigated but they didn't many of them hastily gathered up their wraps and went out of the house as quickly as possible cassie weldon came to me in her distress i must go mr calhoun she said don't you think i may why it would interfere greatly with my work to have it known that i was mixed up in a-you're not mixed up in it miss weldon i began to speak a little sternly but the look in her eyes aroused my sympathy well go on i said i suppose you will testify if called on everybody knows where to find you yes she said slowly but i hope i won't be called on why it might spoil my whole career she slipped out of the door in the wake of some other departing guests after all i thought it couldn't matter much few if any of them were implicated and they could all be found at their homes and yet i had a vague idea that we ought all to stay i shall remain and face the music i heard mrs reeves saying where is vicky do you suppose she knows about this i'm going up in the music-room to see if she's there you know with all the excitement down here those upstairs may know nothing of it i shall remain too said ariadne gale why should any one kill mr somers 
did the caterer's people do it what an awful thing will it be in the papers will it said garrison who was standing near reporters may be here any minute must be here as soon as the police come where is miss van allen i don't know and ariadne began to cry stop that said mrs reeves gruffly but not unkindly stay if you want to ariadne but behave like a sensible woman not a silly schoolgirl this is an awful tragedy of some sort what do you mean of some sort asked miss gale i mean we don't know what revelations are yet to come where's norman steele where's the man who brought this summers here sure enough where was steele i had forgotten all about him and it was he who had introduced summers to the van allen house and no one else present so far as i knew was previously acquainted with the man now lying dead the other side of that closed door i looked over the people who had stayed only a handful perhaps half a dozen and then i wondered if i'd better go home myself not for my own sake in any way indeed i preferred to remain but i thought of aunt lucy and wynne ought i to bring on them any shadow of trouble or opprobrium that might result from my presence in that house at that time would it not be better to go while i could do so for once the police took charge i knew i should be called on to testify in public and even as i debated with myself the police arrived End of chapter two